bet a hundred on myself. I've been all alone. Ain't never need nobody else. I'm at a top floor, sipping margaritas off the show. Wish I had some Welcome back, everybody, to another Props and Drops. We are now in February. March Madness is not far away. Uh, if baseball can get its shit together, it shouldn't be too far away. We're starting to get into the NBA getting its act together. But most of all, this is the time us Jet fans get most excited because the season's now actually over and we've started the new season and we get to think about our draft picks and our free agency and get the dream of a Bengals-like turnaround. And then there's a ton going on in drops uh, with NFTs and collectibles. And I am joined again with my much more handsome, younger, more bearded partner in crime, Mr. Kalish. How are you? Doing great. What's going on? You know, we often talked about how much better the show would be with no Herm. And finally, we get that moment where we've, for one day at least, we've replaced Herm with, you know, a friend and a partner of mine, Dylan Rosenblatt, CEO of Autograph. So wanted to welcome Dylan. How you doing? Yeah, thank you guys both for having me on the show. I love it. It's already better. It's fun to have you. One sentence in, it's already better than than the Herm. Your voice is sexier, you're sexier, everything's already better. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, sorry, Herm, but I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, Dylan, yeah. tell everybody in the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Dylan Rosenblatt, CEO and co-founder here at Autograph. We're the partner to DraftKings Marketplace. We've been selling NFTs across a variety of different partners, ranging from, I know, Gary's favorite, Tom Brady, on <laughs> to people like Derek Jeter, Wayne Gretzky, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, and Tiger Woods. Um and a lot of other amazing partners uh, launching really, I think, unique collections to form a community. It's been around for about five months, enjoying it so far. Shout out Autograph Nation, excited to share more as the show goes on. Let's actually talk about this because I know there's a lot of, you know, I'm like really excited about the platform as, as I think to the future about cross-chain bridging from, you know, platforms. Obviously, uh, I play in Candyland. Autograph has been doing remarkable stuff in the DraftKings land. Then there's things like Bitsky. There's what I recur, like what I would call more closed, but still actually NFTs. I don't think most people realize this has been an ARB I've been thinking a lot about. So I've actually been thinking, this is actually, you know me, Kalish. I didn't even realize no, no Herm. Don't worry, Seth. I know you texted me 14 times. And as soon as I saw Dylan's much better looking face, I remembered, but like, this is actually amazing timing because literally during Super Bowl, I was starting to think about the hypothesis of like, shit, I need to get myself organized on autograph because a lot of those are going to end up being the rookie NFTs for a lot of people. Right now, I'm in the subconscious, not the conscious. Notice what I'm about to say, the subconscious of closed environment, much like I think about candy, sweet futures, much like all the stuff that I'm, and I'm like, obviously getting more and more educated every day, projecting my future more and more in my head. And I'm like, cross chain, bridging on mainnet. And, you know, obviously a lot of these platforms that are, let's call them more closed, like yours, are just early. And like, you're going to be able, Kalish, you may or may not know this, but I'm making this assumption. I don't know, but I'm making this assumption. Obviously we should call Paul probably, but like, we're going to be able to take these NFTs out of marketplace and put them on main ETH, right? And then like, that's going to create a new dynamic that we haven't thought about. Obviously, Kalish, you're obsessed with some of the old stuff that, you know, you have to hack and get into the vault. 
you know, we took it from old like co- name coin and we've got it yep. showing up on OpenSea. That was like impossible old tech. The, the cross bridging is gonna happen and seem normal for a lot of people soon, which may create a windfall. And to your point, Dylan, kudos to Autograph. You guys have went out and gobbled up a bunch of like the most, we're talking Gretzky, Jeter, Brady, you know, like other people like, so, you know, there's, there's a, you know, they've been pretty expensive every time I've gone to kind of like steal them. The, the marketplace seems healthy, healthier than I'd like on this macro thesis I have that I can buy these things on Recur, Candy, Bitsky, Autograph, and then eventually bridge over to main name at ETH. Or by the way, it could be Solana. It could be a new blockchain that starts tomorrow eventually, or the whole world is just 30 blockchains that interopt. Thoughts on that hyperbole that I just said? Either one of you? Yeah, I think from an autograph perspective for us, it was all about how can we actually get and give the mainstream consumer a way to purchase? And I know DraftKings Marketplace felt the same. The on-ramp was really simple. Right now, uh, a lot of those passes you referred to, preseason passes, um, they've done incredibly well. Our consumers have really liked them, but we actually sold the Tom Brady ones in the spirit of his number, co-founder and chairman of the company, for $12 for our base pass, all the way up to $1,500 for our most rare one out of 12, which people have really enjoyed the Ruby sign pass. But the point is we wanted to take amazing content and amazing IP and bring them at an accessible price point. And I think the one of the benefits of being in a more centralized marketplace is that simple on-ramp and the ability to actually work with the DraftKings team to make sure your collection's in the right place, your account set up. I think it comes with a lot of benefits. I think Autograph as a company is excited for everything the Web3 world has to offer, whether it's being on mainnet, the bridging, everything that you brought up. But I do think there are benefits to both kinds of ecosystems and longer term, both are going to play a really, really important place in the future of this market. Yeah, I think when you look at the space of like low cost NFTs, there's some things that are really important. First and foremost, you don't want to be paying for a transaction, you know, $50, $100, $200 when you're buying a $12 NFT. So our initial, you know, drops, they've really been focused on mainstream accessibility. Like we didn't want people to have to create necessarily a new account. If you already have a DraftKings account, there's you know, over 10 million people like that, they can jump right in, use the account they have, use the account balance they have, not pay any fees at all. You just kind of open up the same experience you're already playing every day and you can start to browse around digital collectibles. Doesn't hurt to have, you know, Tom Brady, Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, you know, like some of the most elite athletes in there. Um, I think there's like segments of our audience that maybe those athletes don't speak to them. Like if you're Gary and Brady is 31 and eight against the Jets and he's thrown for 9,018 yards. Oh, you yes, I did what research just, and post well, yeah, what, what just happened here? Like, I yeah. feel like you've got like, uh, do you have like a math intern feeding you data? Like what just happened there? I don't like that. By the way, on the record, yeah. when he retired, what was it, 30 and eight? Was that it? 30, what is it? 31 and eight. This is not a joke. He retires the other day. That, you know, one of my Jets, you know, 90% of my feed is Jets. Like, one of my Jets thing, I see that. I swear to God, I call my brother. I'm like, oh, not as bad as I thought. (laughs) Couldn't recall many of, like, I remember two or three of the eight, but I was like, oh, not as bad as I actually (laughs) thought. Like, that's so sad. It was 31 and eight. And I was like, weirdly, like, 
Huh. We got eight of them, right? We got, yeah. we got eight. Okay. And so I get, I get that everybody maybe didn't love Brady at the time, but you can still look at the world as this is the equivalent of you know playoff contenders two thousand Brady rookie the digital version like his cards didn't exist until autograph really brought them to market. So I think new world and to your point you can you can kind of jump in and maybe you miss the 2000 wave of all his rookies but you're not missing what's happening right now what's the cheapest brady rookie card so they were 12 bucks how many were how many of them were there there were 5000 at 12 dollars and now i believe it's around 100 that's really nice um all right we're, we've gotten too much into drops i want to go uh, excuse me into yeah into drops can we talk a little props the three of us, and then we'll go back to drops. Kalos, you have sure. Dylan, you have anything for us sports-wise? Nothing except for that. Um, leaning towards the Bengals on Sunday hurt me a little bit, but I'm going to leave that to the experts generally. <laughs> Everything yeah. props. Well, I saw Dylan was at the Super Bowl smoozing for, you know, when Joe Burrow retires in 15 years to get him signed up right away <laughs> after that. So it might be time know. for the Joe Burrow digital rookie card. I mean, I, I mean, I think the big news of the Super Bowl was really that now Gary and I are tied because I had a really nice redemption in our prop bet. I don't know if yeah, you actually, saw I didn't this. even I didn't even know that. What happened? You won big. Yeah. Okay, I yes. Let's just say it was decisive. Tell me, I literally forgot. Ten and I, five. Yeah. Kalish ten and five. Gary four and eleven. I want to say. Let me check. Yeah, so you, oh, 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 right. Oh, oh, it was decisive. Yeah. So I, terrible. Would say, I forgot we did those rattling off props. So yeah. now we're even, you no longer owe me five Ethereum, which is too bad because it's going up today. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so we're going to have to, why don't we make a massive bet on the NBA all-star game? Because, you know, that's a real e easy thing to bet on. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I mean, I'm feeling really good about my NBA feel right now. Celtics won nine in a row as well. Going to be 10, I think, will be Detroit tonight. I'll be there to help. Oh, so you guys have won nine straight. in a row? You know, as my Knicks have gone completely the other way, I'm completely checked out of the NBA. I don't even, like, is Steph Curry still a warrior? Like, that's how, like, I've decided. Like, the last two weeks, I've gone on full tilt anger, don't want to consume anything, know nothing, barely, yeah. barely caught the trades that happened, um, and obviously have been very busy professionally so the knicks have tanked and you're telling me that the fucking celtics have won nine and i did see yeah, in a meme a hardened meme that you guys were beating the celtics excuse me the sixers by like 70 points or something the other yeah night. so we had won eight in a row and then we were going into philadelphia full powered sixers well they didn't have a, a hardened <laughs> no hardened but they had Embiid and everybody and I was thinking like, this is where we find out if they're legit, if they can beat the Sixers at home. Like, hell yeah, we're on a roll. They beat them by like 50. It was like 48, total domination. At one point, like in the first quarter, I think they were up like 16, 17 already. It was just over before it started. So now I'm feeling really confident. I'm sure at some point there'll be the reality check, but I'm feeling confident. I'm like the Bulls maybe can beat them. Like who can really go in? Maybe if the Nets get everything together. What about what about the uh, Bucks? Yeah, I mean we beat the Bucks at home the one game I saw, so I like our chance. I'm like I have that's a sample one, of one. one I mean, that that's, yeah, that's not necessary. Yeah, didn't look worried at all. Yeah, um, I I feel good. Tatum, 
you know, right. unbelievably it's lights it's, out. It's February. I got to tell you, by the way, not to get too off track, I've been collecting Celtics to get my bag right in case we go on the run. And Jalen Brown, everything is just ridiculously cheap. I don't understand the why is Jalen Brown because one eighth of Tatum? Because because non Celtic fans are trading on brand, and Tatum's brand, quote unquote, is much greater than Brown's. I mean, Marcus Smart's your best player. Love Marcus. Well, I'm more like Robert Williams plus Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart equals yeah, I mean, we're never giving up any points. So like yeah. the tandem is really what's getting me. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, no, I think the Jalen Brown thing is most people, and I think this is actually proper because I think Brown's a beast, but most people intuitively believe if either one of them bursts out and gets bananas and becomes like a top, 75 player of all time, it's far more likely that it's Tatum's game that does that than Brown's game. Yeah, their numbers aren't so different. No, they're One not. Year it's, apart. That, it's, it's that Tatum has had these bursts where you see, like if you ask somebody, and Brown's done insane stuff. I'm actually a pretty big Brown fan, but the answer to your question is if you ask 100 NBA fans, who's more likely to score 60 points in a the game, they're all going to say Tatum. Yeah. Right. Uh, who's more likely to be a 10 time all uh, they're just going to, it just, there's just a subconscious belief that he's got a higher ceiling. Yeah. There's like this sense, like he's the guy Jalen Brown is like Scotty Pippen or something like he's sort of like not the number one guy, but it's not that obvious to me. I don't like, I actually I get think, the, the I actually, love. yeah, I actually think it's more based on, sizzle not steak i agree i think their games net net are a lot closer than the trading card world has played it out to be yeah and this isn't coming from i already have a giant jalen brown bag i've started to buy in the last week and that's when i realized this and so now i, I gotta go land grab before this comes out i gotta go get all my cards off ebay and everything well, I have good news. if anyone has any elite I have good news stuff, i don't think you've established yourself as enough of an expert that that the market's going to react to your hyperbole right now. They okay. First of all, <laughs> like people are, in my opinion, there's X Thank amount you, of people Dylan. looking for that any reason to just go buy cards. That's fun. for damn sure. Um, yeah. Dylan, did you did you collect cards as a kid? I did. I actually collected them pretty recently. I opened up a pack of Panini right before the Super Bowl at a <laughs> Joe Burrow rookie. Definitely a lean NFL person. But obviously the last three, four years, cards have been back. But what about as a true kid, like a kid, like seven to 14, did you collect? You know, because I think you're, not, you're yeah, because yeah. you're of the age. And I, actually, I thought you were going to say no. I'll tell you why. Because you caught that pocket when it wasn't happening. Yeah. Whereas fair. I think if, like, I think if you were nine today, you would collect. And if you were nine when I was in it, you would collect. But cards have been historically cyclical and you, you're how old again? 23, what? 24. Right. You just caught that pocket where it wasn't a thing. No, I wasn't super into it, to be honest. My version of it was actually getting really into Madden Ultimate Team and FIFA Correct. Ultimate Team Correct. all throughout that age. Correct. Range. Like super Correct. dedicated. That's right. That's exactly right. Interesting. Kalish, what do you think is going to happen in March Madness? Do you even know any good college basketball team? Because I don't know anything, but I'm going to cram like a son of a bitch in three weeks. Yeah. I mean, if you just want to flip, you're pretty much saying like Gonzaga 
you know, like I, I think Gonzaga is around like two to one to win at this point. Are they really so, good? Is Chet Holgram been good? You know what? You're not Let's sure. Check. No, no clue, man. I'm kind of with you. I was like waiting for NFL to end for an excuse to go all in on NBA. Wow, Gonzaga's 21 and two. Yeah, that's the coin. They've won 14 in a row. Yeah. And they've made the, the finals twice. They were there in like 17. I think they were there in 21. Is it like last year, right? Murray State is 21st yeah. in the nation. I'm a fan of, I always like that program. Yeah. I knew Baylor was good. They're 21 and four, ranked yeah. seventh. Purdue's having a great year. I knew they were hot. See, this is great because you have so much time and you're just bored all the time. You have, you know, a chance to cram college basketball for a month. Nothing I think you else. put it perfect. Yeah, you put it perfectly, <laughs> Matt. Like NFL's over. It's time to dive into everything basketball. No, I mean, I think nobody should expect too much from I've heard how much work's going into V Friends version 2.0. So like Yeah, we haven't even talked like, you know, you know this. I mean, you felt that we're friends in real life. Yeah. Like we haven't talked a whole lot in the last yeah. like I've been like I think people like think I might be joking when I'm tweeting, like head down. I'm like, man, am I putting a lot of work in? And now NVCon, which is only 90 days away. I don't know if you saw yesterday as the time of us filming this, I announced Snoop Dogg will be at VCon yesterday. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's busy. Yeah, we saw the video. Um, it's relatable. Most people don't have time to sit there and read every stat of every sport. I don't have that time. You don't either. That's why I no. miss high school so much. I was yeah. such an F student that I knew everything. I was in, a, actually, when I made that video with Snoop, I was in studio. A lot of guys, we were watching the Lakers uh, uh, Warriors game. A lot, of, a lot of dudes in there bullshitting, talking sports. And we got a little bit into that peacocking of like, who knows what. And this one dude, one of Snoop's guys really knew his shit. Somehow Terrell Brandon, the old point guard got brought up. And I went into, like somebody asked where he went into, went to college. And I, and nobody knew. And I was like, I think he went to Oregon and it was right. And everyone was like, you know, giving me super dabs. And my brother was there, AJ, he didn't know, but he was saying like, if it was just a player that was five years older, he would. And we were just yapping about, it's all about eras. When Terrell Brandon came out, I played 24 seven NBA live back then was the big game. And I collected cards. And so I knew where Terrell Brandon went to college because I was in it. My, my son, he knows every number of, like he, know, he, he says, dad, test me on jerseys. If we're not in front of a computer, he'll like bring up players like that I, he obviously knows the numbers of. He's bringing up players who are like seventh men on the Rockets. He's bringing up the players saying, dad, ask me this player's number. I don't know who the player is. I'd never heard of the player. And that's when you just realize, like, he's 24-7, 2K, 24-7 sports cards, and he's in his prime, that 9 to, like, 18 year. Yeah, we're getting outlegged. Same, my daughter's yeah. 12 years old. She knows more. She, I found out that Devin Booker's dating, like, Kendall Jenner from my daughter the other day. She's okay, like, that, Dylan, 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 that yeah. was really painful, how not into popular culture Kalish is. Because I actually don't <laughs> believe you just said that publicly. Ugh, I mean, that is that is culturally tone deaf. Yeah, you think I actually you just gotta know the latest? Just, well, even I knew. Not that. listen, not the latest, 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 like, like latest, but 
that's like everybody knows. Basic yeah. blocking and tackling of what's going on in pop culture. Yeah, that is basic. That is pop culture, not even 101. Do you know that Kanye was married to Kim Kardashian? Yes. At some point? Okay. Well, that's like the level of the Kendall Devin Booker statement you just made. Well, I remember it was like Ben Simmons is what I thought. And like then I was three just years ago. Yeah, I was just late. I was late on this one. Actually, and that's then a she good also segue. wanted to you, boo Tristan you, when he came you, to town. Do you think Ben Simmons will be productive and successful in Brooklyn? Um, it was getting Honestly. toxic. I think a little change of scenery is going to be good for Harden, good for Simmons. I think it'll be like a win-win for sure. Dill? You know, don't have a strong opinion on it. I think it could be better than what was just going on. I could see an upward trajectory from there. I agree. I actually really think it might, which sucks because I hate the Nets, but I actually think it's going to be really good. I actually think people are a little bit confused of who he was on the court literally the hour before the drama got really soap opery. Yeah. He's still legit. I mean, that's a rookie of the year. He's a defensive super, super legit. juggernaut. He's a rebounding force. He's a passing juggernaut. He's a, he's a problem except certain parts of his offensive game. Yeah. Like threes. I remember there was a prop once, like, will he make more than two threes the entire season? And people like the sharp people are pounding under. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, one of the highlights, by the way, uh, all time, this is Harden getting drafted last in the all-star reserves by KD. When he, he's like, go bear or Harden. He's like, mm, I think I need some size in the middle. Go and, uh, go and Rudy go bear. <laughs> I love viral, Rudy viral video. By the way, I love Rudy Gobert's game yeah i like he's it a, he's big nft collector as well i don't know if you knew that i'm incredibly aware very good collector him halliburton uh harrison barnes there's some good solid collectors out there yeah it's really pumping um what else in sports we've touched a hair on college basketball we we've wrapped up the nfl we've been talking a lot of nba dylan why don't you give us a real strong five minute kind of like pontification on the current NHL season. The NHL season? I gotta yes, be sir. totally real with you. You would find a much better expert if you grab someone off the street on the NHL season than me. About what I know is that we, I mean, on Autograph, it's been all about Wayne Gretzky. You have a nice hockey community that's collecting. Yep. Uh, when it's going to the current NHL players, big fan of Connor McDavid and some other ones that are looking like that next generation. Who is that next Gretzky? And then beyond that, you'll find someone better to talk to about hockey than me. Yeah. If one of them was dating a Kardashian, I would be more in tune, but I just don't know. My daughter's (laughs) not really pumping me any intel on NHL. (laughs) Um, The Flames are red hot. The Calgary Flames have won nine of their last 10. And for me, it's exciting because the Rangers are you know, 31 and 13 with four overtime losses, 66 points, really having a, a nice season. Young Rangers. Thought we should touch on hockey, Kalish, for a second. I'm glad we did. Let's talk about UFC. There's yeah. some, See, now you know, we're talking, man. Now we're know, talking. We, we saw, we saw um, some good fights recently. We've got, you know, um, Israel, we've got 
a, we had a great heavyweight fight and we have some good fights coming up that people are really excited about. Your thoughts? Because I know you're a big UFC guy. Yeah, the Adesanya win was nice. I actually pulled two. This was like complete random luck. He wins the fight. Then I pull this like immaculate UFC Adesanya redemption. It was like auto of 10 Ruby or something. Awesome. I have to see what it looks like, but I checked him out online. I'm like, this is a rare card. This thing's going to be like, it's paid That's for the awesome. box for sure. And so I was ripping these cards and I, I immediately was grateful that he pulled that off, you know, for my own you know, personal <laughs> gain. And um, I also saw big news with uh, uh, Fury and, and Naganyu agreed to this fight. I guess they're doing like a boxing rules, UFC gloves fight coming up. And so this is going to be kind of like Floyd Mayweather, McGregor 2 or something. You know, I like the heavyweight stuff a little more. It's like less chess game and more just like pound each other's face in. So pretty excited to see how that one goes. Um, what else? Yeah, what, 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 I don't know the details of Fury and Nagahu. What is it? I guess what happened was like after Francis won, um, he beat uh, Gane. Then he started tweeting at him. He's just like, if you want to make a real check, come, you know, like I'm where you go, come here. And so then they, behind the scenes, agreed to do a fight. This was in the news yesterday. And he said, I am going to fight Francis Ngannou in Las Vegas next year in March or February. Yeah. Both of them are scary. I mean, that's going to be, uh, that'll be a nice one. I think Fury kind of looks, he looks like big. He doesn't look too toned. He's kind of just like, I don't know. He's just like a guy who's massy and, and you know, but I don't think that that matters. I think he's just like one of these, it's almost like Rocky three Eastern European, like kind of treadmill uphill at 13 miles an hour, you know, just like no pain at all, just gets in there and, and you know, brawls. So we'll see how that goes. I think it could be a really good fight. Oh, Francis' last fight wasn't that violent. I mean, if you remember this, it was kind yeah. of more like tactical, you know, he was, um, they didn't think he could like do well on the mat and and he was getting takedowns and then controlling the sort of ground game, which like nobody predicted for that fight. So I don't know. He didn't show a lot of violence in the last fight. So we'll see what happens, I guess. It's going to be very interesting, but is it, a, it's not a boxing match only it's a mix. So what they said was boxing rules, UFC gloves. Interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah. I don't think I've seen anything like that before. Should no, be. and, and I would argue that that would be, that's going to be very entertaining boxing. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what those, like if that became a thing, you're looking at one minute fights, potentially. Like truly. I mean, especially when someone punches like Nagano. I mean, I'm sure you guys both heard. They said On the flip side, life. taking all yeah. the equations out of MMA, and you're just looking for the fists, may actually extend that. I'm trying to think about how many clean punch, you know, it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, I think that'll be a great one. It goes down the same narrative of like all these, you know, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, like celebrity fights are this cool. But I like it when the two real, like the pro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the in. McGregor Mayweather fight was genuinely interesting. And by the way, I, the Jake Paul fights are interesting because like, Logan is doing exhibitions. Like, like Logan versus Floyd was an exhibition. Yeah. Which is no. not a real fight. No scoring, right? No, 
it's just like, you can't even not like, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones, exhibition. You got to look at the subtleties. Jake Paul is fighting yeah. against the people he's fighting. That's true. Um, and Floyd and, and McGregor was a straight up boxing commission fight. And this one seems like it's going to be some version of that, but these are real at the top of their game. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm inclined. I can't wait for that fight. Yeah. I think they want to be measured the same as every other boxer. Like, I think that's like, if you're Jake Paul, I think he's really looking at it. Like just measure me like anyone else. Yeah. He the wants issue, like, big issue, headliners. Yeah. Jake's big issue is if that's what he wants is he'll eventually have to fight. Like he's being business smart, but yeah. you know, like, you know, I don't know where he, he, I mean, he looks great against people that are, not boxing per se, they're good punchers from UFC or MMA, but like, you know, that's why the Jake Younger Brother Fury fight was interesting to me because Younger Brother Fury's a boxer. And so I'm excited to see Jake fight a boxer because then you're gonna get a much better read on where he's at. And I think a lot of people in the boxing community feel like that's gonna be a challenge for him and, you know, It'll be very interesting. Yes, indeed. When's his next fight? I think he, at least from, you know, like he had a lot of fights. Yeah, he might need a little break, but I mean, I completely agree with that. It's like boxing is a science in its own right, an entirely different sport. And I think he needs to fight somebody that's gone up the ranks and actually really got there in the world. If he wants to win quote-unquote respect from boxing people I don't think that's where his head's at I think he's a very thoughtful businessman you know I think he literally has like 50 percent WWF in him look how revered Ric Flair is Ric Flair was a bad guy his whole career for the most part like I don't know if you guys see this but when I watch Jake interact I'm like he's 25 to 50% WWF. Yeah. Like, I think he's being underestimated for his thoughtfulness about being a heel. I think he's doing like almost like a mix. It's actually kind of really fun. He, and very smart. He's doing part wrestling. He's boxing and he's fighting MMA fans, people, right? Like, It's actually, like, I actually think my intuition is in 15, 20 years, people will have a better understanding of what he did. And I think when you look at it, I think there's a solid amount of show. I don't think what Jake's doing every day is like actually 100% what he thinks. I think he's in wrestling mode. Thoughts? Yes. Like I, I believe more than ever that his fights are real. Like he, oh, his fights are one hundred. By the way, laid out by, by no, no, no. Woodley. <laughs> no, no, his fights are one hundred percent real. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, though that's kind of clear if you're like like watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm talking about outside the ring. Yeah. I think he's acting like, not like a normal smart boxing boxer who's good at promoting fights. Call it a Mayweather. I think it's like two notches above that into acting. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'd agree with that. And I never thought that the fights were anything but real. 
he's putting on a show. I mean, it's it's driving incredible ticket sales. And I think that, I mean, we, we hit on it, but I think that real test is when does he actually fight the real boxers? And I think that the guy on the other side of the ring when he fights is not going to throw that fight for anything. I mean, their reputation is There's on the no, line as well. List, yeah, I mean, you're talking, you want to be Ben or Woodley? Like, they, people are not, Nate Robinson, these guys are not throwing fights. No, not a chance. Pe- people just don't like Jake because he's a heel. I mean, he's literally like Andre the Giant when he, when he fought Hogan. He's literally like, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he did a pretty masterful pivot, I think, when like the kind of pure YouTuber entertainment content kind of played out. He just kind of jumped into this new world where, I mean, it's not easy to get 20 million Instagram followers. Who's And that's just one, one channel, you know? Like tens of millions of social followers engaging in your content. And he gets like deep engagement. They're really watching like things he produced. It's not just like engagement gets, farming or he something. Gets, he gets like, actively booed loudly in stadiums when he shows up to, I was at Madison Square Garden, he's getting booed. Yeah. Like aggressively. And I'm watching it on the Jumbotron, the whole thing. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, he's fucking Ric Flair. Yeah. He has a crazy Ric Flair. Yeah. Rick Flair in 1986 at Madison Square Garden courtside is getting booed. Just so you know. Yeah. Like, like this is what I, like I know. He would get booed. Like I a, didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. It, you have to understand, like, Dylan, like, like, back then, it was less clear that wrestling was fully, fully fake. And it was very pop culture. And, like, we hadn't gotten into the era where, like, wrestling fans booed the good guy. We were still mm-hmm. all into Hulk Hogan, yay. Macho man when he's bad, boo. And if they were in public, like a jumbotron at a basketball game, they would be booed if they were a bad guy. That's a strong comparison then. Absolutely. And so I actually think that that's what Jake's up to, my hunch. I don't have really any extra kind of insight, but I'm good at watching. And I think he's brilliantly playing the heel role. Yeah, incredible, like intangible kind of, he has the X factor that could really, he can run with for years and years, this kind of like intuition he has over like the role he should play, how to engage and not like small scale, like tens of millions of people scale. And if you look carefully, I think he shows behind the cloak at times. Like it kind of pops up, like I'm just so busy. So it's like, I can't give you the exact piece of content, but like, you know, I'm all in feed, I'm all in Explorer, I'm all in my consumer segmentation research work. You know, I mean, obviously we work together, Kiyos, you know how I think about things from a DraftKings standpoint, like I'm in it and I could just see it. Yeah. Yeah, he shows a little of himself at times too. But one thing I think that always shocks me is when Colby, I see him Colby does that, Covington does that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just always, I'm impressed by every time I see him though, like not to be a hater, like everyone can say all they want, real boxer, not real boxer, who he's fighting, but I wouldn't want to get punched by that guy. He's throwing a hard punch when he's in the ring. So got to give him some credit for the effort on the craft and building himself. He's been in the boxing gym every day for like four years now. Yeah. I mean. It's a good right. Yeah, the right is there. What I don't know that I'm dying to see is him taking a real shot, a clean, real shot. You always want to see a boxer in adversity. Yeah. If he really gets shook a little bit, 
even goes even goes, even goes down really even goes down and has to get up and come back and win a fight. Yeah, yeah. like the real like when the sledding gets tough, mm-hmm. like the stuff that like you really like. Like I'm a big fight fan. That stuff, right? Like you know, like yeah. when the sledding gets tough. Yeah, that's when you find out. When yeah, that's when you find out what's thing. really happening in the squared circle. Yeah, that's why I know the Celtics are legit because we had it so tough at the start of the year. You know, it's really the perseverance and the you know, it's really what <laughs> what speaks to me. What else do you want to touch on today? Anything? Huh? I feel like we might get murdered if we don't opine on the the state of the NFT market and the Good. like what projects you're feeling yeah. right now. Do your thing. What have you I'm been? like, what am I feeling? I'm feeling that I'm a hundred percent head down on. I have literally bought literally nothing. Yeah. I'm I've, so I've head sensed down. that the wait and see for the last week, I've really sensed it palpably, myself included. It's like, what's what exactly to make of the current? What, what's know? going on out there? It, how is the market? I guess like quick summary, a lot of stuff is flat, flat to slightly down. And I think there's a lot of, you know, is invisible people been very is it, choppy. Is, is, in invisible, backdrop, you know? is invisible people out yet? Invisible people so. is not out yet. They have a giant like uh, social account. So people are just like waiting, I think, to see how this turns out. I mean, There's been like, some that projects feels, that feels like the one that's really been bubbling yeah. consistently for a month, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, I've never heard so many people ask, "Just how can I get on that whitelist?" You know, anybody that can get me on that. I haven't seen this much hype around a project in a long time. No, I, I would actually argue it's the single, like I would argue it's the most hyped project because it's been hyped so consistently for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed this happen a few times where the projects that pump to like 250K Discord, 100,000 plus Twitter, whatever, like pre-launch with like the real marketing engine, the PR push. Um, it feels like after the fact, there's been disappointment more often than not. Thoughts? But I would argue, I would argue that this one feels very different. I know nothing. I don't even know the founders or anything, but it feels like it's been really built more quote unquote sustainable than what I feel like to your point. Though a lot of times those things pump real fast, real hard, which is why they pump down fast. I actually think invisible people, the closest thing I've seen, and I think it's more because of the market than what happened with V friends. There was like a long, you know, nobody was around except the OGs, but V friends was like February to like May pump, build, 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 build. And I was onboarding a lot of people. Education, education, education. Yeah. Like, it'll be interesting to see because I'm probably not far off on VFriends Series 2. Like, you know, it'll be interesting to see how strong the momentum is for VFriends Series 2. My intuition is it's going to be good. My intuition is, am I too busy to do the marketing and road to series two properly? And am I gonna take it quote unquote subconscious for granted that there's so much energy in my discord and my email and my DMs and the FOMO is extraordinary and everybody, like everybody, like let's call it what it is. I feel comfortable saying this. I don't think it's douchey. Like pretty much anybody who was aware that VFriends was happening back in May that didn't buy it really regrets it. And yeah. because, and so, or, or like 
even like you who really played it well, I find it impossible to think that you didn't think to yourself, man, I just wish I bought 20 more on the floor, whatever it was, right? So there's a lot of that built in. And what I'm working through is, am I subconsciously aware of that? Thus, not putting pedal to the metal to really overtly promote series two too much because it's going to sell out anyway. Um, But this invisible people thing is fucking real. And I've been very checked out for six weeks focusing on series two and VCon. And I still feel the heat. I can't imagine if I was in the place I was for the last nine months prior to me now going into the cocoon. You know what I'm doing, by the way, back to all the fighting talk we did. I just decided, okay, I'm going up to the mountains, leaving my family and doing the last eight weeks before the big fight, kind of the Rocky and Russia stuff. Or if you watch 24 seven on HBO, what boxers do, they go to camp and it's real. I'm in camp right now with series two V friends. So when are you coming? Have you announced the date that you're coming out of the cave and you're like, no, and I'm trying to decide, do I want to show the art or not? Do I want to tell people what I'm doing or not? There's a lot I'm still working through, but I'm really proud of it. It's going to be really good. I also don't, I built it in a way to not necessarily need a series three, like anytime soon. So I'm really proud of it. I'm really excited and we're going to see. Love it. Well, I guess I can carry a little bit of the water here. Yeah, go ahead, please. Latest, greatest. So if we're being like very, very real. Which is the only thing we promised each other when we did this. Which is what, what I think this is, you know. There's been a lot of conversation on Twitter about like rugs, about volume. And you mentioned this many times on the podcast. You're like, I just see there being a lot of projects dropping a lot of them aren't going to perform. So I would say probably like 80% plus of the new drops have been thought of as like short-term grab cash rug pulls in some cases. And that I think- Can is you explain to the general masses what rug pulls are? Yeah, so rug pull is basically like a scam or sometimes it's not as black yeah, and white. I don't, I don't think it's a scam. I used to, I've never said rug pull because originally it was a scam. Now yeah. people use it as a slang term for just underperforming. The sucking, yeah, like a project drops. It's um, there's been some projects that I don't like to name them because I know people are holding no these things, and I don't want to yep. like get into yep. it too much. But like you'll see things that just go down, like trades at eighty pre pre mint, and then they reveal it, and it sucks, and it goes to like 0. 0.6 or whatever. So like there's been some examples where people have got burned, and I think it's kind of hurt the sentiment. At the same time, a lot of projects that have been historically strong are still doing really well. Like Cool Cats, for example, launched Cool Pets. They launched their milk token. People are like buzzing. They feel really good about the direction. I think of Cool Cats, you know, obviously Bored Apes, Mutant Apes, all of this stuff that you would expect to be doing well is kind of holding up. Um, but yeah, I think there's been a struggle. Even on these projects, I would call like B plus, A minus tier, like pretty good solid project. I think they're getting diluted a bit and people are like, what's going to be like that top, top tier that you want to hold for the long term, you know, kind of what you're looking for, you know? Yeah, I, I think, I, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, mean, I agree. I've been all over OpenSea kind of checking it out. It's interesting to see what defines being a blue chip in the category. I think you can get that feeling from the community and not to plug it, but we've really been working hard at Autograph after 
the preseason regular season to just think through what we can do for our community how can we get people more excited which is why i think if you look in there's a vibrant and excited discord overall so before i dive into anything whether it be mfers or dead fellows or some of the projects that i hold i go and check out their discord and honestly gary even from you and on v friends um i've learned a lot about things and the pillars to bring into your own community and what they all stand for and i think that when this landscape develops I think that people will kind of grow and align around different interests and in different pockets. And I think a lot of that is um, what we're doing, a lot of what's happening naturally. But I kind of have a question for you both in a lot of ways as well, not to derail what, what Matt was asking as well, but I've always felt like when I look at these communities, sometimes you're on the outside looking in. People have been together for six, seven months, building that strong foundation, that base of owners. Sometimes I try when I'm on broadcast with the autograph discord to say, anyone that's new, put hey, put an LFG in the chat, something, just let us know you're here and we'll welcome you in. I think that sustainable and manageable growth is what makes a community. But my question is, is there any point when it's at capacity or how can we as kind of leaders in the NFT space work on integrating people into existing projects or stoking new projects and derivatives for people to find their place? It's really been something that's been on my mind lately. Well, I mean, a bunch of things are going to happen. We still are, we're not at scaled fractionalization yet. So let's right. start there. Like when people are really fractionalizing NFTs, like that is gonna be a boon for the blue chip holders. Because if a BeFriend's 14 ETH now, a single hold, but we have great technology that does the rally of NFTs in 24 months, 18 months, 12 months, whenever this comes. Well, you can see those things doubling because people are gonna be able to get in for $500 a share. Yeah. So that's one that nobody's talking about. That is, going to be the one. So there you go. That's one. Um, two, I think non-NFT expansion is going to be the arbitrage. Look at all the stuff behind me. Like I think V friends, for example, like if people actually understood the meetings I've been having, what I do, how I'm thinking about it, you know, I'm, there's a lot of ways to feel affinity towards intellectual property without owning the $40,000 IP. You know, I sold a lot of decks of Uno right? Those are going to get delivered. Like, I think everybody's going to have cartoons, video games, merch, cards, everybody. Who's the best at operating it? Will Board Ape be better at a sticker book or World of Women? Will, you know, you know, like those kind of things. Will Invisible Friends be better at streetwear or will I? Like, I don't know. Like, will Fluff World be better at making an iPhone game or will Cool Cats? I think people have been incredibly missing the mark. I've been incredibly consistent about this, which is community is important, but community rallies around success. Do you know how many Warriors fans there were in San Francisco? You do. Like nobody before that crew got into town. Like people didn't even know in the city of San Francisco that the Golden State Warriors were in Oakland. I know this because I was in tech in 2006. I'd be like, yo, what about the Warriors? They're like, what's that? Literally. And then I see them seven years later, courtside seats, I'm the biggest fan ever. So yeah. communities rally around success. So people didn't love the Baron Davis led warriors. Well, they did that one year when they, no, no. They did one that year. one year when they stunned the world. Yeah, I remember that. I remember mm -hmm. he was the guy, he was like the pre Steph Curry, the go-to, yeah. So I think that this is all gonna come down to the operators. And I think people are missing the mark. I, I'm uh, brain vomit, 
creatures. Um, the, the, those are two projects where I was like, this artist is in it till the end. Right. And so I'm like, cool. Like Danny Cole can get famous in, when he's 62. He doesn't have another gear. Like me as an entrepreneur, like when entrepreneurship's not cool and the kids on TikTok aren't, don't think I'm cool anymore. Like I don't have another gear. It's not like I'm going to be able to become a corporate lawyer, like, or like, like a, a retired surfer. Like I don't have any other gear. So I'm looking for people that don't have any other gears as either an operator or as an artist. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's absolutely fair. And I think something that since it's such a new space as we're all aware of is that to build an operation takes time as well. A few dedicated individuals, I think can move agile nimbly the same way as any startup when it's three people up to 70 people, 700 people, whatever it may be. And I think it just takes a bit more time for some of these operators to get their legs under them and the systems under them to really the problem is experiences beyond. The problem is the supply and demand is going to eat them up. Yeah. like When you go mass market. Yeah. Just like there's an 8 trillion market. Like, like to your point, merit wins in the end, but you know, getting your seed legs under you is four years, not four weeks. It's true. And so like, if you came in because you saw it early, you were an artist, entrepreneur, but you were a C minus artist, an entrepreneur, but you got in six months ago, you might've made a bag. If you're a C minus, you're a C minus. Even if you can get to an A, it's going to take, C minus to an A is going to take five years. And like, will the market be there for you? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it's going to be the responsibility of some of the operators in the space in the in the spirit of web three and how this whole space got started to empower and bring up that artist i know it's something that you've championed gary and we've talked about matt as well is how can i mean the big guys the bigger companies start to integrate them and bring them into the fold in a lot of meaningful ways i know it's powerful they can uh, kind of bootstrap a business and get started right on the blockchain on open selling things but i do think at a certain point the volume and microphone that these big corporations and names have need to respect these artists and bring them in. So that's something that, and it's called almost chapter two of Autograph, we're really, really gonna focus on um, in some meaningful ways with projects. Gonna get excited about things we got going on with NBA players, some people in the world of boxing, UFC, definitely trying to bring in some more people that um, could use the exposure and still create an ultimately incredible result for our end user. Okay, let's start. it. We do like it. I think the a bunch of good points. The fractionalization, I think, is an exceptional point. I don't think people are expecting that tailwind at scale, at least yet. Um, I think my diamond patient panda would be like the perfect thing. I get people all the time on Twitter. They're just like, that's the one NFT I wish I had, you know? So the idea of being able to have just some, some stake in something you really love, you know? I think that's huge. There was an alien CryptoPunk sale. Did you see this? Yes, I saw that. Okay, thank God. So you're like kind of, kind of oh, like I'm not, not paying complete, attention, like, but you're catching like, the- I'm, I'm, You know what's funny? You'll love this. Just for clarification, I'm probably paying attention the way that most people think they're paying attention. Yeah. You're like, I'm just, I'm just so high. I'm, yeah, I'm just, <laughs> prior to five weeks ago, for an entire year, I knew the most. Yeah. Or, and when I say that, I mean, maybe there was another hundred people, but I was so broad and insane, like old projects, new projects, like going into every discord, like, like reading most of them, watching others, participating in some, like 
I was really scary. Like to the point where like me and AJ, my brother, like if somebody said something about a project, either one of us last summer, and like you didn't know everything, it was like, like it felt like unacceptable. Yeah. So yes, of course I saw the $23 million alien sale. <laughs> you're, you're back to just the incredibly interested individual. <laughs> I'm, I'm back to being like an all-star, not a historic <laughs> right. hall of famer. Yeah, That's I wouldn't fair. mind owning like a percent of this alien. Why not? Uh, like the fractionalization. By the way, that's where I'm cool. going. Uh, that's what I'm definitely going to do with one of one X copies. So like, I can't get to yeah. some of these things either. Obviously, we're all in different places. I know that I'm in rarefied air now, but that doesn't mean that there, there's things I can't get. Let alone if the first thing we want to sell. Like, you can't even forget about it, if you have the money. These things become not sellable. Um, fractionalization is going to be massive. Yeah. A um, couple other projects, formerly low cost, now not so much. MFers, yeah. top 10 now can on OpenSea. So that's a good example. Cost. That's, that's that. a great example. So I minted MFers or bought them early. I have five, I think, right now. I think I lost, I did a terrible thing. I put a bunch of my NFTs on the book exchange for book games and like had like a hundred flower girls on there. So people swooped them up in the old, like people paid like $240 to get a NFT for me, no gas, because they bought 20 books and then armed it against NFTs for my collection. Um, and then those things went way up. So I think I lost some MFers. I think I lost, by the way, is it MFers? Is that the official? Cause I just call them motherfuckers. M yeah, okay. MFers on OpenSea. Yeah, so I go, I go MFers. I saw that. Yeah, so with MFers, I saw they exploded this week. What happened? Can you guys tell, um, like that's something I would know 100% last summer, last fall, that I don't know the reason of the trigger. What was the reason of the trigger? Steady organic adoption from, there was no like single announcement or catalyst, but it just gained a lot of steam. Like Sartoshi's big on Twitter. Um, yeah. People like Farouk made them avatars on Twitter. You know, people thought the aesthetic looked cool, but just didn't really give it a chance. And it just kind of like snowballed up as more and more people from the community who are prominent started adding them. And then of course I was like slow to the game, typical, you know, second guessing, annoying uh, uh, lack of just pulling the trigger. So now I'm sitting here, I'm like, shit, is it going to go to 10? And now I need to jump in now, you know? So really, really cool. It has a yeah. unique, I think a really unique aesthetic that's just very accessible. It's just dudes sitting at their computer, kind of like, they're all just yeah. sitting the with the different here. watches. Yeah. yeah, I got one I'm happy with a little bit ago. I mean, what I just think it was the nature of the art was one thing. And I think that all of these projects reach kind of a critical mass of people that celebrate it, that are interested. You can see that owner count going up on OpenSea. And then at a certain point, I just think they kind of take off and become a fixture in the community and part of the culture which is pretty amazing. It was great to see MFers do that lately. Yeah. Absolutely. Also shout out to the winner of Cool Man. We did a Cool Man giveaway and now they're up to almost, uh, it's a little over two ETH. So we're picking good projects. We did World of Women when it was at like two. I think we're really- Yeah, the people that have been winning for the show yeah. have been crushing. Yeah, they're really counting on us to crushing. pick them right. Well, anyway, that's the, that is the world. Awesome. Well, listen, it's a great show. You never need one. I know I don't want Herm back ever again. All right. No more Herm. It's just Dylan. No, I mean, oh, yeah. Herm, yeah. No, sorry, Herm. Herm's good. I'll, I'll come in Herm's whenever done. you guys are willing to have me.
We'll see you guys next nah, week. I really appreciate or it. next time. Thanks for being we'll on. See buddy. you next week. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash marketplace for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York. Visit OPGR.org in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 plus only. 18 plus in New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. No results guaranteed. Void were prohibited. Eligibility restrictions apply. See www.draftkings.com slash sportsbook for full details. Odds and lines are subject to change.